The scripture reading this morning is from Matthew, the 25th chapter, verses 31 through 46, and uh, I'll be reading from the King James Version. Matthew, the 25th chapter, verses 31 through 46. And when the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall he gather all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left. And then shall the king say unto them on the right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. <clears throat> and it for I was hungry, and you gave me no, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw thee, and hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw thee, a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it also unto me. Then shall he say unto them on the right, on the left hand, Departeth from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and you clothed me not. Sick and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they answer unto him, saying, Lord, when saw thee, and hungered, and thirst, and stranger, naked, and sick, or in prison, and did not administer unto thee? Then shall he answer them, and say, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not unto me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into everlasting life. This morning, uh, as we get started with our lesson this morning, I want everyone to imagine what the greatest thing that could possibly happen to you today, what would that be? What stress in your life is, is consuming your, your mind? What, what anxiety do you have? What realm of, of life worries you the most? And if that could be fixed, what would that be? If the absolute most anxiety stressful thing in your life could be fixed in an instant what would it be if the greatest thing that could possibly happen to you today were to happen what would that be regardless of the stress that that thing ha has brought to your life or, or the anxiety that that thing has brought to your life or the heartache that it has brought to your life, all of a sudden, when you got home today, 
it was gone. Every one of us are probably thinking about different things this morning. Perhaps some of you are, are so consumed with the thought of the financial debt that you are under. And every day of your life, you, you, you think about the debt and you think about how much you owe and how much the interest is piling up and, and how much stress that adds to your life and you, you lose sleep over this debt. Imagine you could go home today debt-free. Maybe some of you this morning are thinking about that job. You are currently in a job that you hate. You hate the job that you do, that you wake up every morning to go and do, and, and, and you hate this job, and it brings stress to your life, it brings anxiety to your life, and you don't want to do this job anymore. Imagine that when you got home today, you had an offer for the dream job that would allow you to be with your family more, that would, that would give you more money in, in your bank account, that would allow you to be happy at work each and every day. Imagine that that happened today. Maybe you have a, a, a medical diagnosis that you don't even know how to deal with the information the doctors are telling you, and, 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 and the, the thought of this medical diagnosis keeps you up at night. It makes you worry about what tomorrow looks like. I want you to imagine today that as, when you went home, that was no longer something you worried about. Maybe today there's some of you who, who have a bad relationship, a, a, a bad friendship, and it's currently deteriorating to the point that you don't even know what to do anymore. Imagine that when you went home today, that relationship was fixed. You see, all of us have different things in our life this morning that cause stress and anxiety in our life. I just want everyone to imagine the relief that you would feel if you no longer had to worry about those things anymore. What would you do if you left this morning and all of those troubles were erased? Gone never to keep you up at night ever again, what would you do? What would it cause you to do? I, if it were me, if, if my troubles were erased in a moment, in, in a snap of a finger, you couldn't shut me up about what great thing had happened to me. I would go all to my friends and, and, and my family and everyone that I knew, and I would tell them this great story that has happened to me, this great relief that has come to my life. And you'd probably be the same way. You'd gather your family and your friends. You'd gather your, 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 the people that you love and you would tell them what had happened to you. You would tell them the story of this great moment in your life where this greatest stress, this greatest anxiety, this greatest problem in your life was taken away. In fact, your social media would probably be littered with posts about what had happened and the story that had taken place in your life, your social media would be transformed. Instead of complaining every day, you would be talking about how great it is to live life because your greatest stress had been taken away. Your attitude about life would skyrocket. Your happiness and your joy would overwhelm you to the point that you could hardly contain yourself. 
this morning, can you imagine a scenario in which something like this happened to you and you kept the story to yourself? If something like this were to happen to you, can you imagine a scenario where you kept yourself from sharing the story? This morning, I want to look to the Scriptures and study about a woman who had something like this happen to her. I want us to open up the Word of God and learn about a woman who had a moment like this. I want to study about a woman who went from the joke of the town to being the town's only hope. You know, there are many chapters in God's Word, in in the New Testament specifically, that if you were to call it out as a reference, many of you could know much of what happens in the chapter. There there are some chapters in the New Testament that that are so powerful and so filled with with good application for our life that, that we know it as soon as it's called. Hebrews 11 is one of those chapters, right? We, we think about Hebrews 11. Romans chapter 12 is one of those chapters for me where, where if we're in Romans 12, I know the deep richness of that text. Maybe Philippians chapter 4 is one of those chapters for you, but this morning, I want to go to one of my all-time favorite chapters of the whole Bible. That's John chapter 4. Turn to your Bibles to John chapter 4. And I believe there there might not be a richer text in all the Bible than John chapter 4. As a preacher, it, it, it is impossible to run out of things to say. It's impossible to run out of connections that you could make and applications that you could extend when it comes to John chapter 4. Perhaps this morning we have some people who who aren't familiar with this text. You may be visiting with us and you haven't studied God's Word much. You may be listening online and you you don't know about John 4. Well, this is what happens in John chapter 4. Jesus, the Son of God, is in need of going to Galilee. At the beginning of John chapter 4, he's in need of traveling back to Galilee. And in order to do that, verse 4 says... He needed to go through Samaria. Now let's just stop right there. If you have studied God's Word, it's probably evident to you that that is a weird statement. Why would Jesus need to go through Samaria ever? Because the Jews and the Samaritans had so much animosity and hatred between them, there there should have been no need for Jesus, a Jewish male, to ever travel through Samaria. In fact, Many times they would go around Samaria just to avoid the place. We can learn stories after story and passage after passage in the New Testament throughout the Bible about this hatred that existed between the Samaritans and the Jews. The thought of of a Jewish male having a need to pass through Samaria is almost an oxymoron. And that's our first sign. That something's up. That's our first sign that in this story, something is up. That Jesus needed to go to Samaria. Our text says it within our own text in John chapter 4. It says, 
Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. In John 4, it says that. Anyway, Jesus, when he goes through Samaria, he stops at Jacob's well at, at midday, at, at noon, and he is thirsty from his travels, and he goes to the well, and he's at Jacob's well, and he encounters this Samaritan woman. He starts to engage in a conversation with her. The very fact that, that Jesus is engaging in conversation with this woman is enough for this woman to realize this isn't my everyday average trip to the well. The Samaritan woman realizes that this is going to be a different encounter than anything she's ever encountered before. And that's then that Jesus starts to talk to her about this living water that he was able to offer and how she may come to the well every single day, but she's going to come back the next day thirsty again, but that he was able to offer living water. Water that, that she would never thirst again. He tells her things about herself that only a prophet could know. He tells her that soon everyone was going to be able to worship a common father, not just those in Jerusalem. And it was then, upon that discovery, she realized she was talking to the Messiah. Upon discovering that this person who, who knew things about her only a prophet could know, and a person who said that all people are going to be united under a common father and a common faith, it was then that she knew she was talking to the Messiah. And so when she had that conversation with the Messiah, we see her going back to town and, and telling everyone she could about this person that she had met at the well. Pleading and imploring them to come and, and to see for themselves. And we know that many Samaritans were led to Christ because Jesus had a need to go through Samaria. This morning we can look at this text in John chapter 4 through the perspective of Jesus. We can look through this text through the, through the lens of the disciples who were there. We can learn a lot and, and, and see a lot of things from the vantage point of the Samaritans themselves in the town. And all of those lessons would be rich and powerful, and you've perhaps probably heard lessons about that before. But today I want to talk about this story, this passage, through the eyes of the Samaritan woman. I want to look at this passage through the lens of the Samaritan woman and what we could learn from her. You see, when Jesus first encounters this woman at the well, she was drowning. No, she hadn't fallen into the well and she wasn't drowning physically. She, she wasn't drowning and, and gasping for air physically. But she was drowning spiritually. Spiritually, she was gasping for air and treading water just trying to make it to the next day. When we meet this Samaritan woman in John 4 at first, she is drowning spiritually. The Bible tells us that it was the sixth hour of the day. 
when Jesus met that woman. This lets us know, as I said a little bit earlier, this was, it was noon. What do we know about noon in the Mediterranean climate? It could not have been hotter. This was the absolute hottest part of the day. And this woman chose then to go and get her water. You see, most women wouldn't choose this time of day to go get their water. They would choose the early morning or uh, in the evening when it was cooler outside and, and, and they wouldn't have to struggle as much with the heat that their climate produced. She chose the absolute hardest time of day to go and collect water. Why? Well, perhaps because she had to. Let's read verses 16 through 19 together. Verse 16 said, Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one whom you have now is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. You see, perhaps this woman is at the well at the most inconvenient hottest time of day because she had to avoid everyone else in the city. Having been married to five men and currently living with another would have made her an outcast in their society. Maybe this Samaritan woman couldn't just go get water at normal times like everyone else. Maybe she couldn't travel and get water at the cool time of day because of the jokes that would be told about her. Because of the looks that would be given to her. Because people whispering and pointing fingers at her. Saying harsh things, judgmental things, rude things to her each and every day of her life. She was married to five men and currently living with the sixth. You know, life doesn't get more confusing than that. Life, life doesn't get more challenging than that. Can you imagine the, the baggage that this woman had to carry every day of her life to know that she was the town pariah? To know that, that, that she was ashamed to her culture. To the Samaritans, she would have been a joke. To the Jews, she would not have even been worthy to speak to. But to Jesus, she was a soul. A soul that was drowning. The amazing thing about the Samaritan woman and about a lot of people who are drowning spiritually is that they're also seeking. Yes, the, the Samaritan woman was drowning spiritually, but that's not it. She was also seeking. She was seeking something greater for her life. She was seeking after something better than what she had lived before. She knew how messed up her life was. 
She knew that she had made poor decisions, and she knew that there had to be something better in this life had in store for her. And so she sought after something better. Read verse 25 with me. It says, The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Even though she was drowning and even though she wasn't part of the chosen people of God, the, the, Jew, the Jewish race, she was a Samaritan. She was an outcast in the eyes of the Jews just for being a Samaritan. She was an outcast in the eyes of the Samaritan because of her past. But she still was seeking after the Messiah. She was seeking after the one that would unite all the nations together. The one that would redeem all of mankind. The one that would take everyone and make them a part of the chosen people. And after she heard this man at the well talking about living water, after this man proved that he knew the depths of her soul, and after this man talked about worship, not just being a thing for Jerusalem, but for all who, speak to, who seek to worship in spirit and in truth, after all of that, she knew exactly who she was talking to. She knew that she was talking to the only one who could fix her life. She had learned throughout her life that men can't fix her problems. She had learned throughout her life that she herself could not fix her problems. And she was seeking for the only one who could. And she found Him. She found Jesus, the Messiah. Even though she was drowning, she was still seeking. And after she found that for which she sought, we can see that she was also willing. She started out drowning, she then started seeking, and now that she has found what she sought for, she was willing. What was she willing to do? Well, throughout the whole chapter, we see her willing to do amazing things. In verse 9, if you were to read it, you could see that she was willing to talk to this random man. This Jewish male that she had no business speaking to. In verse 11, we can see that she was willing to ask this man questions. In verse 15, we can see that she was willing to drink from the living water that he was offering. In verse 19, we can see that she was willing to believe that this man was a prophet. And after verse 26, we can see that she was willing to believe that this was the Messiah. Even though she was drowning, she was still seeking. After she sought and found what she was seeking for, she was willing. And all of those things, it's a great story. But it's not the most amazing thing about the Samaritan woman. Her ability to seek for something better for her life is wonderful. Her, her, her willingness to be willing to believe in this man is inspirational. But what she does next is the most amazing part 
of her story. She went on proclaiming what had been done to her. Verses 28 through 30 says, The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the man, Come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And then they went out of the city and came to him. I love how the text says that she left her water pot. She left her water pot. She, she dropped what she was doing. Why would she drop what she was doing? She had gone all that way in the heat of day to get this water. Why would she just leave it there? Because the greatest thing that could have ever happened to her happened. The greatest news that she could have possibly received in her life had been told to her. So bringing back a pot of water was no longer what mattered. What mattered was telling others, anyone and everyone she could, about the Messiah. The hatred that had existed between the Samaritans and the Jews all those many years no longer mattered. The way society viewed her and, and the way the Jews and the Samaritans treated her didn't matter anymore. Her past didn't matter anymore. The way society viewed her did not matter anymore. The fear of being rejected and laughed at did not matter anymore. All that mattered was that others come and see the Messiah. This morning you may be thinking, isn't Jesus the one who did something amazing in this passage? If you're familiar with the text, you might be thinking, isn't Jesus the one who did something awesome? If that's you, you're, you're right. What Jesus does in this passage is amazing. What Jesus does in this passage shows us why He's the master teacher. It shows us why He's the master evangelist. It shows us why He's the example that we aspire to. What Jesus does is outstanding, unbelievable in this passage. But I have news for you this morning. I don't care how hard you try, we are to be aspiring towards it. We are to be working towards being Jesus and, and measuring up to the fullness of the image of the stature of Christ. That's our job. But I don't care how hard you may try, you can't be Jesus. You can't be Jesus. If any of us could be Jesus, guess what? Jesus wouldn't have had to come. Jesus in this passage does something simply amazing. But the Samaritan woman does something amazing that all of us can do. We cannot be Jesus in that we don't know the soul of everyone that we come across. We don't know the heart of everyone that we come in contact with. We don't know exactly the right phrase that would prick their heart. Exactly the right thing to say that would, that would bring them to a knowledge of Jesus. We don't know that. Jesus did. 
We're not the Son of God. We are children of God. You know who we can be though? Every single one of us this morning can be the Samaritan woman. Before meeting Jesus, every single one of us are drowning. Every single one of us, before we come into contact with Christ, are drowning in our sin. Gasping for air, treading water, trying to make sense of this disaster that is happening around us. Every single one of us are just like that Samaritan woman. Hopelessly and miserably lost. And this morning, if you're a Christian, the only way that you became a Christian is because you were seeking something better for your life. The only way you became a Christian is because you were willing to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so the similarities between us and the Samaritan woman are very powerful. We can evidently see it with our life, with our our very eyes. But I'm afraid there is a difference in the Samaritan woman and many of us today. And that's the last thing that we see the Samaritan woman do. Many of us who were drowning have been seeking and willing, but only some of us have then gone on to proclaim what happened to us. Only some of us have been willing to take the last step that the Samaritan woman took for some of us, we, we, we know what drowning in sin feels like. For a lot of us, we know what it means to seek and to be willing. But sadly, to, for some of us today, we never go out on our way proclaiming what has happened. And I think maybe part of the reason for that is because we don't actually believe we can make a difference. Because we know our souls and we know ourselves and and, and we know how weak we are and we know how many times we have failed, we start to believe that we, me, myself, cannot make a difference. What if the Samaritan woman felt that way? See, the Samaritan woman had every reason to feel that way because of her past, because of the way society viewed her and treated her. What if she felt that way? But we see the Samaritan woman, when she came into contact with Jesus, she didn't let herself stop herself. Verses 39 through 42 say, and, the, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you have said, for we ourselves have heard him. And we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Because this Samaritan woman was willing to proclaim what had happened to her, 
the text says, many in the city believed her word. But more than that, because she was willing to take those Samaritans and bring them to Jesus, the text says, many more believed. What a powerful phrase the text says when it says, we ourselves have heard. We ourselves have heard and know that this is the Christ. This morning, just like this city of Samaritans, every single one of us have heard Him. The question is, what have we done in response to it? The Samaritan woman ran to town. She dropped her water pot. She ran into town to tell anyone and everyone she could about this encounter she had with Jesus. She wanted everyone to know about the Messiah that had come into the world. And it, it was finally time for the, all nations to come into one. She ran to town telling everyone she could about Jesus. While many of us run away from opportunities to tell others about Jesus. For every Christian in this room, we have had the illustration at the beginning of the lesson happen to us. The greatest stress and anxiety that you could possibly have is where your soul will spend eternity. And for every Christian in this room that has been bought by the blood of Jesus through the waters of baptism and living a faithful Christian life, guess what? That most horrifying thing that could ever happen to your life, the most stress-filled, anxiety-filled, problematic thing in your life, every Christian in this room has had that taken away from them. In the blink of an eye, within a moment, has had this sin that has stained and marred their life taken away. If a very rich man came into your life and paid every dime of debt you owe, What would you do? If a doctor were, were, were to be able to single-handedly fix whatever illness you have, what would you do? The truth is, we have had a man pay our debt. And we have had a doctor cure our illness. And his name was Jesus. The eldership asked me to preach this lesson this morning because there is so much more that we can do. With our yearly theme of more, being and doing more, there is so much more to do 
in this community that you can actually do. All you have to do is do it. This on the screen, if it'll work. Yep. It's something we've been working on. Uh, the missions hall, you've probably seen it. These are our local missions. The things that we do here in this community to try to, to bring the light of Christ to the world around us, to, to this community that we live in. And, and, and this is, is the way that we touch others in this community and try to win souls for Christ. One of the first things that many of you know about is what, what I do each and every day is the go and do ministry. And there are so many different ways that we can go and do and, and become the hands and feet of Jesus. That's the goal of this ministry is for us to be able to become those hands and feet that Jesus had. When we are His feet, we are going and we are evangelizing and teaching. And when we are His hands, we are serving and being benevolent towards those around us. And there are so many different ways for you to get involved in this ministry. Each and every month we have something going on, some kind of thing that you can get involved in and you can take part in this ministry. We also have a Korean ministry. Mingyu does a great job of, of, of preparing different events and, and opportunities for us to get involved in. All we got to do is do it. There's so many different opportunities for us as English-speaking people to go to some of these Korean events and take part in it, to show our support, to show our appreciation to Mingyu and Yunsuk, to show how united we are together with our Korean brothers and sisters in Christ. All we got to do is take part. We have a jail and prison ministry, if that's something you're interested in. When it comes to this jail and prison ministry, we used to, before COVID, but before the pandemic, we used to have men and women going into these prisons and, and into these jails and having Bible studies with them. Conducting Bible studies and, and teaching them the truth about how Jesus can save their soul. Since then, we haven't been able to go into those places because of the pandemic, but it's time to go back again. You know, being a part of the jail and prison ministry doesn't always mean what you think it means. You may think that this means you have to do it alone or, or come up with lesson content alone or be in the jail alone with all these people, but there are so many other things that need to be done. You can be the one that leads the Bible study if that's something you're interested in, or you can assist in those Bible studies. It's as simple as being able to write a postcard to inmates. You can help develop the lessons that are going to be taught by those who go and study. All you got to do is ask, and we can put you to work. We have the Sunflower Preschool at this congregation. And many of you may be thinking, well, how, how, how is this a local mission? Well, that might be because you aren't aware that 80% of the students at Sunflower Preschool have no affiliation with the church, 
have no affiliation with the Lord's church and they are simply people from the community that we get to have an impact with. And guess what? The Sunflower Preschool needs teachers. This coming year, we need teachers to come and to fill the places of those who have gone on to do other things. We need teachers to come in and to impact these kids and to teach them about all these different things, but especially to show this example of Christ to them. What are you doing online to spread the cause of Christ? We have all these different things that, that you can be doing online with your social media and, and with the website and with articles and with sermons and with podcasts and with all these different things that we could do to spread the news of Jesus. What are you doing with that opportunity? Sadly, for many of us, we spend our entire time talking about politics, pop culture, and tearing up people in the comment section instead of sharing things about Jesus. This morning after worship, the leaders of each of these ministries are going to be in the missions hall. And they're going to be able to answer any questions that you might have or any hesitation that you might have or, or anything you've been wondering about each of these ministries. They're going to be able to answer how you can be like the Samaritan woman through these ministries with that thought of the Samaritan woman. Let's go back to our text really quick. Read what Jesus has to say. Verses 33 and following. Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to him, them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months, and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. At the Buford Church of Christ, we want our food, our sustenance, our fulfillment to be rooted in finishing the work that Christ gave to us. All we got to do is lift up our eyes. Lift up our eyes and we would be able to see all of the opportunities that are before us. Lift up our eyes and we would be able and ready to see that the fields are white unto harvest. Others have sowed, others have planted, others have watered. All of these ministries, all we're asking you to do is what the text asks you to do. To enter into these labors with us so that those of us who have sown and those of you who will reap can rejoice together. We ourselves have heard what will we do in response? This morning, maybe today, you are drowning in sin. You are, are seeking a better life for yourself. 
the opportunity is before you to get up on dry ground. To be able to put one foot in front of the other and walk into the rest of your life with Christ. Maybe some of you today were drowning. You saw a better life. You were willing to submit to that better life. You became a Christian. You were able to take all the, all the joy and the happiness of being in Christ, all the spiritual blessings. But you never then went after that and told others what happened. You can make that right today by coming forward and, and telling us what Jesus means to you. Maybe you have a past and you have baggage just like the Samaritan woman. Whatever the case might be for you this morning, Jesus offers the living water as together we stand